The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. After Jesus had spoken these words to his disciples, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Heads up. You're supposed to cover your heads. Heads up. For anyone who has ever watched a Little League baseball game or a Major League game for that reason, um, you've likely heard these words whenever there's been a foul ball that pops over the fence. The clear, concise statement is meant to alert all those around the field to look up and look out for a ball that's going to be dropping somewhere nearby. Heads up is a warning that's given so that we might actually look up from whatever it is that is distracting us. Oftentimes, my attention is not on the game at all. I'm probably busy talking to the parent next to me or looking around at all the excitement and action that's happening everywhere but the ball field. Or if I'm being completely honest, I'm probably hunched over a small screen. Perhaps the same is true for you too. Whether you're hunched over a phone while at a baseball game or on the train, or if there's something else that distracts you and keeps your head down low and your eyes turned down or inward instead of on what's happening around you. In today's reading from Acts, the story of Jesus' ascension, quite the opposite is true. The disciples had their heads up, looking up toward the sky. The disciples' were heads were up, looking up at the sky. Their mouths were open in astonishment. They couldn't believe what they had just seen. And their hearts were sad. Their minds were confused. Their beloved Jesus had just disappeared from their sight. White-robed messengers gave them a heads-up, a warning. 
telling them not to look up because they won't see Jesus there anymore. The messengers seem to be saying, stop looking up and start looking out. Look out toward your neighbor. Open your eyes to see the glory of God in the person standing next to you and in the stranger you meet and in the needs of the world. Jesus' ascension is hard for us to understand. But there are a few simple ways that we might think of it theologically. Jesus leaves the earth so that we might be present to us now through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that we officially welcome and celebrate next week on Pentecost Sunday. The same Holy Spirit who descends on the newly baptized today and remains with them forever. The same Holy Spirit who breathes God's very breath into you. Jesus ascends into heaven that he might fulfill all things, that his presence might be made known in all places, that we might become the body of Christ for the world through the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel reading from John, another heads up. Jesus looks up to heaven and prays for his disciples that they may know the same intimacy that he has with God the Father and that they may experience eternal life, not in some heaven up in the sky, but here and now. Jesus speaks these words the night before his death and in them he reveals the the deep relationship that he has with God the Father He prays for his followers that they might continue his work in the world. He prays that they may be one, united as he and the Father are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. This morning, in a few moments, we will baptize Aidan and Addison and Henry in the name of the God made known to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. In holy baptism, we are united with God, and we are united with Christians throughout the world, and we are made one. At the communion class that I had with Addie and Henry, soon to be baptized right there in the front row, We had a communion class last week with them and with a couple of other students about their age. And we watched an animated video about the sacraments. In one section, Jesus is shown gathering into his arms a whole crowd of people. His arms are as big as they can possibly get. And there are hundreds of people gathered into his arms. And the narrator says, Jesus welcomes all God's people to the holy meal. And the little cartoon girl responds, but those aren't all the people in the world. And the narrator says, you're right. You'll have to use your imagination. Mm. And so we did. We did. The children at the class with me talked about the people at our church who are in Jesus' loving arms. 
And then the people that are at the other Lakeview Lutheran churches who are at the communion table with Jesus too. But not only in Lakeview, and sorry folks, not only the Lutherans. We used our imaginations to think about the people in the South Loop. We used our imaginations to think about the people in California and Utah and Ukraine and South Africa. We used our imaginations and named people who are like us and people who are not like us. People we know and like and maybe even some that we don't. People all over the world with whom we are united at the communion table when we eat and drink with Jesus because he has promised that we are one with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. For in Christ there is no east or west. In him there is no north or south. At this table we are united with the church throughout all the ages. At this table, we are united with the saints who have gone before us. At this table, we celebrate the kingdom of God already breaking in upon us. At this table, we anticipate a day where all people will know the healing and reconciling love of Christ, regardless of race or class or gender or ability or anything else that we might use to divide or differentiate. For the reign of God is here now, not up there, not up in the sky, not in some other time and place in the future, but right now, the Spirit of Christ is among us, empowering us to open our hearts in joy and our hands in service. We are not called to crank our heads back and look up to the sky looking for Jesus to return. But we are called to joyfully bless God in our service to others who are among us now. As Christ's body in the world, we are constantly looking outward, not upward. We gather each week in community to celebrate our oneness with Christ, to wait and pray much like those early disciples did. And we also come to receive purpose for our lives and encouragement to go out into the world to share freely the love and grace that we have received from God with others. Heads up. Make sure you do look up every now and then to notice the stars and the sun and the clouds and all of the other good gifts of the Holy One. But stand firmly on the earth. Look out at your neighbor in need and rejoice in the spirit of the risen Christ that fills you now. Amen.